Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, August 2nd, 2020. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night in New York studios on Long Island. Big show coming up for you tonight, folks. We have Arthur Staple of The Athletic and Mr. Tony Stabile joining us tonight. Plenty of great things to talk about. Game one going to the Islanders. We are powered by Go Hockey Media and now presented by Oyster Bay Brewing Company. Super excited about our new partnership with the good folks over at Oyster Bay Brewing Company. An official partner of the New York Islanders and creators of the famous Barn Rocker Session Ale. Big fan of their beers, Christian, especially the Barn Rocker. Big fan of the tap room. Been there plenty of times. Always had a great time. So we appreciate them getting involved with this. Really pumped. Also sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels. They are located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Check them out for great food, great people, and great Islander fans. Go to bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu for all the great selections. Christian Arnold, how are you? I'm doing well, Sean. It's been a busy, chaotic, crazy week for the two of us. Uh, Obviously, with our new sponsorship, we're really excited to have Oyster Bay Brewing on the uh, team here with uh, Hockey Night in New York. And also, do not forget, Sean, that you can order merchandise. You can order beer online as well. Just go to OysterBayBrewing.com, and you can use the special Hockey Night in New York discount code, which is That's right. H-N-I-N-Y, uh, for 15% off any purchase. That's merchandise. That's beer. So you can get a little swag. You can get a little beer and have that's a great right, time. So, a little curbside delivery. Exactly. You Very can, exciting part. You can get some local delivery, and also they ship to anywhere in New York State. Yes. So hop on the web, place a little order, get yourself some beer, some great swag, all good stuff. Awesome. So Christian, like I said, game one goes to the aisles. Textbook Barry Trotz Islander Hockey. You got J.G. Pajot. Potten one in the beginning of the game to start things off. You get Beauvillier getting the winner on the power play. Fantastic start for the Islanders here in the qualifying round. What do you say, CA? It was as good an Islanders game you could ask for uh, in terms of what Barry Trotch preaches. And that is the defensive style system that he, he employs with his teams. And that was what the Islanders played to a T. Really, almost for most of the game, there were some points here or there where um, you know, they caught, caught flat-footed a little bit. Obviously, the second period, there were points when both Johnny Boychuk and Ryan Pulak were out for a few minutes there. Boychuk never came back. Pulak was on, was back for his next shift. And then early in the third period, Huberdeau gets the early third-period goal to cut the Islanders' lead to 2-1. Uh, and the Islanders got caught a little flat-footed there watching the play instead of actively trying to keep Huberdeau from cutting to the front of the net, which he did, and he was able to sneak it through the legs of Semyon Verlamov. Yeah, and you you bring up the Johnny Boychuk situation, so why don't we talk about that a little bit here. He gets, you know, it was a little questionable at first. In fact, you had a little controversy there where it looked like there was going to be a five-minute major called on the play. The refs did a little review of the call and decided, no, 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 just a minor, only two minutes. Johnny Boychuk steps off the ice, probably goes to the quiet room that gets checked out. 
you know, for, uh, you know, the concussion protocol doesn't come back. What is the latest on number 55? So right now what we knew about number 55 on Saturday is what we know about him now. There was no update from Barry Trotz on Sunday. The Islanders had the day off. I'm assuming they'll be back to practice on Monday. So whenever you hear this show, they could have practiced already. But as of right now, there is no update on Johnny Boychuk. So we can only speculate that he may or may not play in games two or game three. Um, as far as the hit to John Boychuk on Mathis by Mike Matheson, it, it was an interesting thing to kind of watch play out. I kind of forgot actually that the refs had the ability now to go back yeah, and review those different. major calls and, and see if they want to change it, which they did because I think they got the call right on the second time around when they made, when they made the review and when they went back and looked at it, because look, I know the initial response to when you saw that hit, I, I'm, I had the same response was, Oh my goodness, that is a big hit. That's a yeah. dangerous hit. But when you watch it back a couple times, Matheson really didn't have the intent to go and hit him with an elbow. He right. didn't connect with his elbow, really. If you look at the play, I think he hit him it more with a shoulder. shoulder. It just happened to hit his face. Right, and that's, and that's <laughs> and, an And Johnny situation. has had a yeah. big problem with things hitting his face this season. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're talking skates, and now you gonna got a big shoulder hit here. It just seems like, look... Johnny Boychuk has had a, an injury history with this team yes. since he's come over. but No question. It seems even more recently he's just had a really hard time. I mean, you come back from the big break, game one, first official game, and and here he goes getting a, getting a tough shot. I mean, look, he made the play just inside the blue line. He right. gets the puck deep, but, I mean, what a, what, a, what a shot he took there, and hopefully he can get back. If not, though, and this is what we'll talk about now, the depth of the Islanders' defense – who can come in if Johnny is not ready to go for game two? Yeah, the Islanders lucky are lucky now. This this time around, they have a lot of depth. Obviously, they added Andy Green before the trade deadline. They have Noah Dobson, who got a lot of reps in place of Adam Pellick when he was injured. Thomas Hickey is still on the Islanders roster and up there in Toronto. He's a veteran presence. Obviously, Islander fans know him well. He's been on the with the organization for a while, and plus, Panther fans probably know well because he was he was a hero for the Islanders during the 2016 series. He was one of the guys that was on that Islanders roster when they won against the Florida Panthers in the yes, first indeed. round in 2016. So he's no stranger out there, and obviously you kind of know what you're going to get with Thomas Hickey. And then, of course, Sebastian Ajo, who's a, another good young defender, who's had a very good year uh, last couple of years, really, with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, and unfortunately for him, the Islanders' defensive it's, depth, yeah. it's, it's tough It's nice that he's him. there. Yeah, it's nice that he's <laughs> there. Nice that he's, there. <laughs> he's a quality defenseman. Um, you know, any team would be lucky to have them. The Islanders are lucky to have him up there with them as yeah. a depth option, but... Um, you know, he's kind of the low, mo- low man on the totem pole here in, the, in this circumstance. Right. I think if when you look at guys who are going to get in the roster, if uh, Johnny Boychuk can't play, it's going to be Andy Green or it's going to be Noah Dobson. And my money would probably be on Andy Green because Barry Trotz loves that veteran experience. Andy Green right. has a ton of it. He has 50 playoff games under his belt. He was in a Stanley Cup final with the New Jersey Devils in 2013 or 2012. Um, and, you know, he's a guy who's been around the block quite a bit, so he brings that veteran experience that Barry Trotz likes to use. No doubt, and just to play devil's advocate with you here, you know, Green may end up being that first choice, but maybe because of the whole left-right situation, the fact that Johnny Boychuk is a right-side guy, Andy Green is typically a left-side guy. Now, granted, they've had some guys on the squad flip-flop. They've had guys go back and forth, but maybe due to that circumstance, they may give Noah Dobson a look there just to kind of play the left and right situation. Yeah, you know, I think that Barry Trotz kind of has an idea of what Noah Dobson can do. I don't necessarily know if there's there's going to be a, an opportunity for him to get a look. I mean, if we saw, he got his look in the exhibition game, right? Uh, Barry Trotz went with eight defensemen, uh, eight defensemen instead of a defenseman and a forward in that exhibition game. Right. He gave Andy Green and Noah Dobson both the opportunity. Look, 
They both played well. Andy Green played very well in that in that exhibition game against the New York Rangers. So I think if you're talking about guys getting an opportunity or guys getting the chance to, I guess, get an audition in this sense, Andy Green and Noah Dobson already had that. Andy Green, I think, has the edge here because of the way he played against the New York Rangers and because of the way he's played in the past. The Islanders, like I said, he fits the Barry Trot system. Even Ross Johnson, who got a look in the – uh, exhibition game for the Islanders, he didn't end up playing. I think there was a lot of people, right. myself included, who assumed he was going to play because he played in that exhibition game all 60 minutes, and Tom Kunakel sat and watched from you know the stands. Yeah, maybe Barry just needed a last-minute look at Ross just to make his final decision, or maybe he was playing a little mind games of Florida. You know, we got a tough guy in here. Yeah, so you be, know. Be worried, <laughs> you know. I, I think Barry Trotz was genuinely having a hard time making a roster decision. He, think, he Yeah, well, with everybody ha- healthy, right? right? The team has a lot of respect for a guy like Ross Johnson, and he does a lot of good things. I mean, he is he's an interesting player because— And Trotz had a lot of good things to say about him. Uh, everyone did. Yeah. Um, you know, Broussard had a lot of good things to say about right. him, too. He played on that line with J.G. Pajot. Who, I mean, both of those guys had great games in Game 1, and obviously they had great efforts in the exhibition game. So— I mean, Barry Trotz, it's, it's a great problem to have, but there, that's tough. there's some tough roster decisions that had to be made. And, you know, putting Kunakel there ended up being the right one because Pajot and Broussard team up for a goal. Kunakel with the um, forecheck that leads to the right. setup for that goal. I mean, that line looked great. Both of those players have looked tremendous during the postseason, especially in game one. For sure. And let's touch on that before we bring Arthur on. We got the bad news out of the way with Johnny Boychuk's <laughs> uh, injury. So let's talk about the good news. Like we said at the top here, Huge 2-1 to one win, Game 1. Uh, there's a stack going out there. I believe it's 86% of teams that win Game 1 in a five-game series in the NHL typically go on to win the series. So, Isles putting a pretty good foot forward here to get things started. Things, oh, yeah. Things could get a little dicey when you talk about back-to-back noon games. We're going to talk more about that later. But let's focus on these guys on that third line that has been a black hole for this team before J.G. Pajot came in. They have the center depth that we've raved about on past shows now. Let's let's talk about what he did, what Pajot did, Broussard did, and even Kunakel to uh, get things started on the scoreboard. Oh, 100%. Uh, again, you go back to that play. That was a, a, a real precision play by the Islanders. The forechecking there was was perfect. Kunakel, you know, makes the play there. He's able to get the puck over to Derek Broussard, and Broussard has the uh, the room and the opportunity to make move it over J.G. Pajot, who gets the goal. Pajot played very well. Center, You talk about center that Pajot had one of the best face-off percentage. He had the best face-off percentage on the Islanders roster at 80% uh, in the face-off circle during the 60-minute win for the Islanders. He was given the opportunity to play in some big situations, both on the penalty kill, which we uh, we knew he was going to be playing on, and including the end of the game there in the last four minutes or so, he was given the opportunity to take a big face-off, uh, defensive face-off draw, right. which is a crucial time. Florida was really trying to get their, their legs going. They were trying to find something there at the end of the game to tie it. And so that's a that's a tough spot to be put in um, if you're anybody. And the fact that Barry Trotz had the trust in Pajot to go out there and do it, I think says a lot about the player that Pajot is already and the trust that he already has within the organization. But it, it goes to the fact that the Islanders have so much center depth that they don't need to rely on necessarily a Casey Zizekas to go out there and take those big defensive face-off draws. Now they have, they have those uh, options that can kind of spread that out a little bit. You have Pajot. Um, you know, Matt Barzal can take a face-off or two. He had a lot of success, actually, from the face-off dot uh, on Saturday with a 77.8 face-off percentage. Even though they were a little quiet otherwise. Right, even yeah. they were, though they were a little quiet. So, I mean, too, plus you have that ability to move Derek Broussard or, or Brock Nelson in there. Both have played that position for Broussard. Obviously, he's played center and kind of got put in that position when the Islanders were a little thin there. Now that he's 
not having to play that as much or at all at this point because they have the center depth, uh, it certainly opens up his game a lot more too. I mean, Broussard and Pajot have that um, familiarity from playing in Ottawa together, and that only helps that. So that line, the third line, if you even can call it that, because there's really no – outside of the Lee, Eberly and Barzal line, there's really no second, third, and fourth line. Those are all lines that Barry Trotz loves to roll. Right, for sure. And real quick, uh, just to, to finish up a thought on Pajot, I mean, look, a big part of the discussion with him coming over was the price the Islanders paid, what they gave up, the amount of money they gave him in his contract. You only get that you know seven-game sample before the league shuts down. Here we are. We're in the qualifying round, the closest thing to playoffs that we can really call it now, but it's right. postseason hockey, <laughs> yes. and we already got a taste in game one of one of the big reasons why Lou Lamarillo pl- paid such a price for this guy. He stepped up big time, big part of the win, Hopefully he keeps that going, so hopefully you see a little more Pajot magic as the postseason continues. But folks, I want to thank you all for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back. You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer, and Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale and an official partner of the New York Islanders. Whether it's the crisp Barn Rocker, smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten-free hard seltzers, Oyster Bay Brewing Company has an option for everyone. Located at 36 Audrey Avenue, the taproom is open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating, so you can experience all of Oyster Bay Brewing Company's excellent selections right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at oysterbaybrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. The only thing better than a Great Long Island Deli is a Great Long Island Deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. And joining us right now from The Athletic, Mr. Arthur Staple. Arthur, appreciate you coming on. How you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing very well. Appreciate you coming on. And a big win for the New York Islanders in Game 1. 2-1 to one yesterday. A little 4 p.m. game. They play some textbook Islander hockey, Barry Trotz hockey. So right off the bat here, what is your biggest takeaway from Game 1 and the New York Islanders' performance? That, uh, you know, 
being able to get to that game, kind of grinding it out, you always wonder without fans and in a, in a strange environment in the bubble and, and uh, you know, just how it's going to go. And they really, you know, with maybe a couple of small little hiccups at, uh, early in the period, in all three periods, they really were just really solid. And I think when you see some of the other teams uh, that, that kind of fancy themselves contenders playing in these qualifying rounds kind of uh, – Going a little, uh, getting a little loose and wild in their first games to see the Islanders get to that, like you said, that Islander hockey right away was uh, was huge for them, and especially uh, being yeah. able to shut down Florida's offense yet again, as they did in all three regular season games, definitely bodes well for them uh, coming up in these next couple. Hey Arthur, it's Christian. Really appreciate you coming on with us today. Um, when you look at the performance of a lot of these guys, the one person I wanted to ask you about in particular was Semyon Verlomov. He didn't get a lot of reps in uh, yesterday's game, but he certainly looked like he was ready to go. Obviously, that was one of the big things that all of us were kind of trying to figure out. Would, would it be Varlamov or would it be Thomas Grice in there in net? What did you make of uh, Varlamov's performance in game one? He was really solid. You know, um, I, I thought he looked really solid, uh, you know, in the, the, the scrimmages, kind of uh, as Barry Trotz was talking about today, you know, he, he was uh, kind of faced a little bit more, a little bit more action, and I'm sure that that was kind of how those teams were decided uh, for those mini, those mini scrimmages that the Islanders had all throughout the the phase three camp. Probably wanted to get a little more work on Varlamov. He had really been the better guy, I think, the last couple months or so before the lockdown. Um, so maybe he came in with a little bit more of an edge and. And, uh, you know, didn't do anything to dissuade Trotz to go with him in game one. And, uh, yeah, like you said, you know, he, he didn't have to make any any eye-popping saves, but he was just really sharp. And I think uh, the biggest deal for them was whoever was in net, the, the team in front of them had to play uh, lights out. And that's what they did. You know, there was, I think you saw when Florida got going in the, in, their, in the Islander zone, mostly in the second period for a little bit of a stretch after Johnny Boychuk went out. Islanders just packed it in. Their forward, you know, Cal Clutterbuck was blocking shots. Their forwards were getting in the shooting lanes. It's exactly what they need, and that makes the goalie's night a little bit easier. Yeah, for sure. And Varlamov looked really steady. And just before you came on, we were talking about, you know, the contributions that Pajot was making, singing his praises a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about one of his line mates, Derek Prasard. It looks like he almost had himself a little resurgence yesterday. I feel like you know, towards the end of the season, before things, you know, shut down, he got a little quiet. Obviously, he put up some points in the early going during that big streak. But he really made himself visible in this game yesterday. So just talk a little bit about uh, what he brought to the table yesterday. You know, this is a veteran guy, you know, and I'm sure it doesn't, it's not uh, memories that any Islander fan wants to have, but this is a guy who kind of made his playoff bones with those Ranger teams in the, the middle 2010s that, went to a cup final and a couple of conference finals. He was, uh, he was a big game player in those playoffs. And even when he w- ended up getting traded the first year with Ottawa, uh, him and Pajot were, were a big reason why Ottawa made it all the way to the conference finals that next year. So this is, you know, you, maybe you can overvalue experience at times, but I think the benefit of a guy like Broussard is even with a kind of a ho-hum season where he never really found a, a great role, uh, he knows when you have to turn it up and, and this is the time to do it. Uh, it was his hundredth playoff game uh, yesterday, and like you said, set up uh, Pajot. And I think having those two guys uh, being such good friends, I think helped uh, Pajot kind of with a, a better transition over the last few months to really feel like an Islander. It was such a whirlwind when he came here at the trade deadline. Um, but Broussard, I think, uh, is also a guy you know wants to stay in the league. He's he's got doesn't have a contract for next year. Nobody knows what what free agency is going to look like. Uh, so I think he also knows that there's, there's a time to elevate your game when a lot of people are watching. 
talking with Arthur Staple from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Stape Athletic. Arthur, on that note, I, one thing I've, I've noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed it as well, is when Broussard's on the wing, he really seems to find a different level uh, compared to when the Islanders had him at center. What is it, uh, I, I mean, what is it about that uh, change in position that kind of frees him up to play a little, uh, you know, a little more his style? You know, I think he's always been a very solid center, but uh, I think a lot of it had to do with just who his wingers were at the beginning of the year. Really, that third line was just never, uh, you know, it was kind of the, you know, the the dustbin a little bit of line. They they had so many other, all three of their other lines were pretty well set from the beginning of the season, and that was the one where they just sort of had to figure it out. And whether it was Tom Kunak or Ross Johnston getting in there before they got Pajot, um, you know, Oliver Wallstrom got a little look there. Uh, I think that inconsistency definitely hurts a veteran guy who especially is used to playing with more skill guys than that. So, you know, he kind of, I think adapted his game to being an Islander um, where you're not getting major minutes there at five on five. You probably wanted to get a little bit more of a look on the power play too, but um, you, you know, when you come to the Islanders, especially in that role, you're not going to be a big point producer and you're probably not going to get the wingers that you used to playing with in other places. So I think that was definitely hampering him. But when he went to the wing, obviously, you know, he, he ended up moving up a little bit, playing alongside Brian Ellison for a time. Um, those are just better players. And I think you can produce a little bit better. And certainly as you get older on the wing, it's, uh, the responsibilities are a little bit less, maybe a little less wear and tear on the body. And uh, and now, like I said, he's got that chemistry with, with Pagino. They've known each other for a long time. And, uh, you know, I think whoever is in the middle, uh, whoever is on the wing, those guys are going to work well together. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Brock Nelson, and another pairing that looked really strong yesterday was Nelson along with Beauvillier. Maybe you can just talk about the the connection that they had. They almost actually connected for quite a few chances yesterday, so just maybe uh, speak on the, the chemistry that they had and what that might bring for the second line. You know, it's easy to forget uh, when the Islanders were going really well and winning a ton of uh, overtime games or scoring goals late. But, you know, those two guys figured in a lot of them. I think it was, uh, we counted up, uh, five of the eight OT winners were between, you know, two for Beauvillier, three for Brock Nelson this season. Nelson had a couple five on six goals uh, in February and March uh, that got the Islanders crucial points uh, when they needed them, even though they didn't win those games. And I think, uh, you know, Beauvillier's real strength, I think, that we've seen him grow into these, these few years he's been an Islander is, is his ability on the forecheck. He's really using his speed and his strength. You know, he's, he's a pretty fearless guy going into the corners. He kind of has a little look sometimes of, of a, you know, kind of a, a Casey Zizekas type where he, he looks like he's yeah. a little out of control, but he's just kind of a, a heat-seeking missile going in there uh, to dig bucks out. And and that really complements Nelson style. Nelson kind of likes to float above the fray with that long reach and uh, is really lethal wrist shot. Uh, and I think Josh Bailey really worked really worked well with them last night as well. You know, I think I think they, they had 19 of the Islanders uh, attempts. They were making plays in tight. Um, you know, Florida's defense is not uh, is not very deep and is not very uh, physical with the guys they have in there. So I think that line really took advantage uh, and was able to to generate a lot either off of turnovers on the forecheck or, or certainly off the rush. Like you said, Nelson could probably could have had a couple of goals uh, if it weren't for Sergey Bobrovsky having such a good night. Arthur, one of the big storylines just from Saturday's game one was the fact that. Um, you know, without Johnny Boychuk, the other five defensemen really had to step up. All five played 20-plus minutes, and I believe it was Eric Hornick with the stat that uh, that was the first time in, in a playoff game in franchise history that five defensemen had to play 20-plus minutes. What does that say about just the, the core 
uh, that the Islanders have on the blue line, that they were able to stay within the system that Barry Trotch preaches and be successful despite having to play five defensemen? You know, it sort of feels like they've they've had to do that a lot over the years. <laughs> you know, you even think back to uh, to game four, I think the clinching game against the Penguins, Johnny Boychuk ended up breaking his foot, and he missed a lot of that game. They seem to they seem to have taken a few hits on D uh, in the middle of games a lot. So, um, and and really after Adam Pellick went out in January, when Noah Dobson stepped in, they were essentially a five plus one type of defense anyway because Noah Dobson wasn't getting significant minutes. So I think they've, as a group, learned to adapt and kind of shrug off any of those kinds of situations where they need to have kind of an odd rotation or or play uh, extra shifts than they're used to. You know, I think with with Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock there trying to match uh, against Alexander Barkov, those guys were going to play a ton in that third period anyway, because they're, I assume, you know, you assume Florida was going to send Barkov's line over the boards a lot, trying to press for that tying goal. Uh, and the most impressive thing, not just from the minutes was how they were able to shut down Florida. They didn't even have a, an attempt on that in the final four minutes. <clears throat> and I think it was three total shots on goal after they scored uh, 23 seconds into the third period. It was a real, a real strong effort by the Islanders and their D um, you know, it's, uh, it, like we said at the top of the show, it's it's uh, a situation where they need to get to that game where they're keeping it very simple, just kind of frustrating and frustrating and frustrating and trying to wait for the counterattack. And they did it very well. And I think the best stretch that they had was in that third period when uh, Florida didn't really get too much uh, after they got pulled within one. Arthur Staple is our guest here on Hockey Night in New York, presented by Oyster Bay Brewing Company. Arthur, with that in mind, when you look at the roster for Game 2 on Tuesday, is uh, do you think we see Johnny Boychuk in there? And if we don't, is it Andy Green or Noah Dobson taking his place? Why not both? Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it, there's a lot of options for Barry Trotz there. It's uh, it's almost, you know, you certainly don't want to see anything happen to Johnny Boychuk. And, and uh, you know, he's he's an essential guy, especially on the penalty kill. And they were, they were really... Um, you know, fortunate with the way, not fortunate. They played in a, 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 such a strong style and didn't really have to cheat too much and commit any penalties. They only took one minor penalty that resulted in a power play. Um, and Boychuk is a, is a big part of their penalty kill. And so, you know, if you take him out and put Dobson in and then you're, you're restricting yourself or you're having to add someone to the road, the, the penalty kill rotation that maybe you wouldn't normally, uh, and playoffs is not really a time you want to adjust those kinds of things. So if Boychuk's able to go, I'd imagine he'll go. We'll find out uh, tomorrow when they're when they're back on the answer. Maybe we won't because that's usually how the information <laughs> flow goes in the, this time of year, especially with nobody watching practice. But um, you know, if if he's able to go, I imagine it'll be status quo. He's not able to go. You know, my sense is they'd put Andy Green in just because of the veteran experience. He's and certainly the way that he played in the exhibition game and all throughout the phase two camp. You, you'd like to see Green and Dobson get in there. Uh, you know, I thought. If there was a, you know, if you if you were kind of looking for for some negatives, Nick Letty really struggled. Uh, I think in the time that Boychuk was not out there, um, you know, he was kind of bouncing around and not playing a, mm-hmm. as regular a shift as he would have. And I, I just think he had a couple of bad giveaways and, and really just looked a little out of sorts. So if uh, you know, maybe it would be a wholesale pair change, but I would think more likely you put Green in there and you shift either. Letty or more likely Devon Taves to the right side. And maybe you end up with, uh, you know, Green and uh, Letty and Mayfield, Green and Taves. However, the second and third pairs go, you know, you're going to be mixing and matching anyway. So um, that's my expectation if Boychuk is out. But, uh, 
but it is kind of an embarrassment of riches, and you even forget about a guy like Thomas Hickey if you have to go really deep. I mean, they, they right. don't want to lose too many guys, but but to be at full strength this time of year is so rare. Um, you know, I think you can kind of game plan for a lot of situations and not be too too concerned about one of your guys going out. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of op- options up front, you had Thomas Kunaka lining up there in the third line with Paggio and Broussard. He factors in on that goal with that forecheck. Do you think this is something Barry Trotz doesn't want to touch as, as far as the forward line goes? Maybe he keeps him in there. Or do, do you see him maybe making a change to uh, to adjust for for game two? Uh, you don't see too many coaches changing things after a very <laughs> solid win like that. <laughs> right. So you know, I think uh, I think as Barry kind of said to us all today, Kunaka was going to be the guy uh, as long as he was healthy. He got a little banged up in in one of the scrimmages back on Long Island. Uh, which was the reason he didn't play in the exhibition game. And I know Ross Johnston is a fan favorite, and a lot of people wanted to see him in there. But I think really for what they're looking for, Kunakal is probably the, the best choice. You know, and I think uh, you think back to some of the big game, the, the two big wins they had in Pittsburgh. You know, Tom Kunakal was playing second line back uh, last playoff alongside Nelson and Bailey. And he did very much the same thing on a, on a big go ahead goal. I think it was either, I think it was game four. Um, where he got in behind the Penguins' net, uh, didn't touch the puck, but created a turnover, and Nelson buried it, and the Islanders were on their way. So this was a, a similar kind of play. You know, he's he's got the speed. He's got a lot of experience in these kind of games. I thought some of his other aspects of his game were not great, but I think it's also a situation where um, you can you can maybe shorten the bench a little bit uh, in the third period, and he doesn't play a regular shift, but you do get Broussard and Pajot out there maybe with a you know, rotating Someone like a Josh Bailey on a, on a second shift uh, or an Anders lead if you're protecting a lead. So, uh, you know, I think Kunakal with his speed and his ability to kind of fill that, that role that they expect him to without uh, without worrying too much about him. Uh, you know, I think he's the guy for the time being and we'll see what happens. Talking with Arthur Staple from The Athletic. Arthur, before we let you go, obviously game two is going to be a crucial one for the Florida Panthers uh, with this short series. It certainly makes these games even more crucial in the postseason. How do you expect them to come out in game two? And do you think the Islanders are going to be ready for whatever they throw at them? You know, other than matching their, you know, the, the D pair against Barkov's line, I don't think the Islanders are too concerned with, with the specifics of what the Panthers do. You know, I think given how the, the Panthers had lined up through their phase three camp, uh, where they'd had Huberto and Barkov on separate lines, uh, putting them together maybe was a little bit of a shock, but they've certainly done it before. Uh, and I think it really simplified things for the Islanders because you didn't you didn't really notice a lot of their their other forwards. You know, I think they had a second line. I believe it was uh, Noel Chari and Halla and Mike Hoffman and, and Achari and Hoffman both had over 20 goals this year, and that that line really wasn't a threat. And then you kind of you, you bounced down through their lineup. Uh, they had a couple of younger guys in, and Vitrano and Toninato who. Again, didn't notice a whole lot. Um, so, I, you know, maybe they'll go back to putting Huberto on that second line alongside Hall and Hoffman just to give them a little bit of uh, a little bit of variety and force the Rangers or the Islanders to to think about who they're going to match. But uh, but other than that, I, you know, I, when the Islanders are playing that way, I don't think they care who they're who they're playing. They really know they know themselves very well. They know what they need to be successful and. Another game like that where they keep it very simple and they're able to convert some of their, their rushes or their counterattacks, uh, you know, and I think that was a big key, too, because Bobrovsky was really good. You know, it could have been a 4-1 or yeah. 5-1 game, and he was sharp. And the fact that the Islanders were able to control a game and win, you know, not comfortably, but still be in control the whole game, facing Bobrovsky playing an exceptional 
night is also a plus for them because if if Bobrovsky has to stand on his head completely and make 50 saves, uh, that's not a situation the Panthers want to find themselves in. So, um, you know, I thought a lot of things went right for the Islanders and a lot of things that maybe if you were thinking about, uh, you know, the Islanders playing their best possible hockey there, you saw a lot of it that night and Florida can make a couple of cosmetic changes, but I think they are what they are and they need to be able to, to be a little bit more forceful uh, with their big, with their top guys. And if they can't do that, they're really, there's really not a lot that they can, uh, they can adjust. Absolutely. Arthur It's looking really good here for the Islanders after game one. We'll see what happens in the next two games. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate your time and hopefully we'll speak to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot guys. Anytime. Thank you. Take care. All right, folks, that was Mr. Arthur Staple from The Athletic. Great spot from him, as always. And, you know, he he makes a good point. You know, the Islanders played such a a textbook shutdown game, you know, having that lead where, you know, Florida, they can can make whatever changes they want in the lineup. But if if they continue to get the same goaltending from Varlamov and they still play that disciplined hockey, not only as far as, you know, staying out of the penalty box, but just – their game, sticking to their system, it's going to be really tough for for Florida to break through here. Well, one thing that we didn't even touch upon, and, and Arthur made a great point too, the secondary scoring from Florida was non-existent. Huberdeau obviously gets the the only Florida Panthers yeah. goal in the game, but Mike Smith, who's a, a 20-plus goal scorer, you know, they, they he's basically a, a ghost in this entire game. I think that there were maybe two or three players on the entire Panthers roster that had more than two shots on goal in the entire game. And didn't they go like the first nine minutes without a shot at all? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And they just, I, I mean, the Islanders did as good a job. Uh, it was it was three, three Florida Panthers had three or more goals the entire night, or three or more shots, shots. on goal, right. I should say. And that was Aaron Ekblad, uh, Eric Hula, and Alexander Barkov. Um, you look at the rest of that lineup, they were held... Not to not a lot of shots, right? And they just and even when they did get shots, except for that part in the as Arthur noted in the middle of the second period when both uh, Hulak and Boychuk weren't out there, mm-hmm. there really wasn't a whole lot of scoring chances, and that's a, a real testament to the Islanders' defensive core and the the system that Barry Trotz has, has implemented. And it has to be very refreshing for Islander fans to see that. Yes. Because again, <laughs> yes, yes, of course. I mean, to state the obvious, but no, no, I, I'm not even saying that as like <laughs> sarcastic. I just mean, right. yeah, some Islander fans have been clamoring for a team that can win these close games for years. Well, not only that, but just getting back to doing that. I mean, yes. they were they did it all year last year. They did it in the the first quarter of the season this year. Then you know the wheels you know slowly started to fall off until they really. Well, you know, also, made people nervous before yeah. the end of the season, and you, you could make a strong argument that, that they made a they may have lost their way out of the playoffs <laughs> if they didn't turn things around. I mean, I remember Barry Trotz saying some positive things. He thought they were going to turn around. We'll never know, yeah, because they yeah. shut it down. Well, I actually, so when we were uh, had the availability on Friday before game game one, one of the things I had actually asked Barry Trotz, and I was trying to uh, work a column around this, was the idea that the Islanders basically got uh, an opportunity that. You know, they don't, not a lot of teams get. This was an opportunity that they need to take advantage of because you look at where the Islanders were. And Barry Trotz kind of gave me a similar answer where he was saying, you know, he thought they were, they were starting to get moved in the right direction. He, he knew they were, he, you know, expected them to be battling for a playoff spot and expected to be battling in the playoffs. Now, that's all great and fine. Right. But I think, I think every the, coach is going to say that. Yeah. I think the realism, realist in every Islander fan and, or, and anyone watching that team, was that the Islanders were in a bad spot, and they were slowly working their way out of a playoff spot. They weren't yeah. in a playoff spot. The New York Rangers were a point behind them. Or they were catching them really quickly. And 
there was no guarantee that they were making the postseason. No. So this, the fact that you know, not only did they make the postseason because of what happened, but you also get a healthy roster, that is an opportunity that not a lot of teams get. And quite frankly, the Islanders, if anyone, um, need to take advantage of this because this is something that's not going to come around any anytime soon again. Yeah, and look, it's it's been one make-believe game and one real game, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. that's all we've seen so far. But but two for two, they've looked good in both games. It's very encouraging. Anything could happen. You know, we talk about the deficiencies that Florida has, but that doesn't mean it, it that they're not going to give them a run here in the next few games, especially with the way that Bobrovsky looked yesterday. Yeah. I mean, he finally looked like Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah. And he stepped up. He he robbed Bavillian and Nelson on a couple of chances. They they could have went up by a couple more goals. So if that's going to be the bob that we see for the remainder of the season, uh, the series. I do enjoy the fact that we've we've caught on to calling, the bob. calling him the bob. <laughs> thanks Andrew to Andrew Gross, Gross of Newsday. <laughs> so if he does continue to perform that way, then it's going to continue to be a close, nail-biting, tight series. I mean, I mean, it was textbook in so many ways. I made a joke about it on Twitter yesterday where, you know, you got that 18-hour, oh, excuse me, 18-minute, you know, hang-on that right. the Islanders do, right? right? They get the lead. <laughs> but, again, I use the word encouraging one more time just because we didn't know what we were going to see after this break, especially with how dis- discouraging it was leading into the the shutdown, right? But, look, I mean, I've been singing this guy's praises ever since he, he put pen to paper on a contract. I'm, I'm already a little nervous that he hasn't extended for a lifetime contract. <laughs> but, but Barry Trotz, man, I can't say enough good things about this guy and, and what he means for this team and how he's had them ready. Coming back into this camp, into this bubble situation, yes, he's got a healthy roster now, but, I mean, they were focused, laser-focused yesterday. They played their game. That was the game we saw last year. That was the game we saw in the first quarter. So it's a great sign here in the early going. I don't, I don't want to pump them up too much because it's only one official game, <laughs> but great sign so far, Christian. A hundred percent. And, again, you, you look at the opportunity the Islanders have, and I, I think they understand that too. Um, you know, this is a chance for them to really make some noise in a, in a circumstance that is as bizarre and unique as they come. And, again, you look at the, the body of work they have. Yes, there's only been one game, and you don't want to get too excited about what's going on with them. But you look at the situation that they found themselves in. They were not comfortable. Um, as Barry Trot said the other day, they have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in these circumstances. And you look at what the Islanders did. They're down a defenseman. They have to they have to play five defensemen. They're playing a high offensive octane team in the Florida Panthers. They hold their secondary scoring scoring guys to one to two shots in the entire game. You keep yeah. their top guys in the Huberto, uh, Barkov, Dadanoff. You limit their opportunities. I mean, as much as the Panthers maybe had an opportunity here or there, there was never a moment, even during that stretch in the second period, where things got a little quirky. I was never watching that game going, oh, boy, this is going to get funky. I was like, all right. They have to get it together. Funky. Yeah, funky. Well, <laughs> funky. Things are, sure. things, things are about to get funky. Um, <laughs> Love it. But uh, there was never a sense, from from my point of view anyway, that this was going to get out of hand. Varlamov was making the big saves yeah. when he had to. Yeah. The Islanders were finding ways to get in, this, uh, get in the shooting lanes, and they weren't really mm-hmm. giving them too many quality opportunities. They right. were getting shots on net. Yeah. They weren't getting quality shots on net in those couple minutes that they were there. And then, obviously, they got back together. They get, you know, they get a power play goal. Uh, you know, Anthony Beauvillier is, you know, gets the power play goal, and things things kind of settled down 
uh, quite a bit during the, during that period. Obviously, the, the second, third period goal early wasn't right. great, but I think that's another example of just how far it this didn't Islanders rattle team, them. Yeah, they were they didn't lose a beat. They just got exactly. back and they pushed the team, pushed the Panthers the other way. They took away any momentum that they could have and should have gotten off of that goal early in right. the third period. And that they used that, the Islanders used that to their advantage, and they used that as motivation down the stretch. And that's why I'm so high on this game, is because in this game one, it's tight. They give up that, you know, early goal in the third period. Maybe, you know what? You talk about the age, right? That came up not too long ago, right? They did the average, yes. the average oh, ages came yeah, out, and, and you had people getting upset about that. You know, maybe this is one of those things you can look at as a positive for the Islanders, right? You have these more experienced guys. You have guys that have been through the grind in the playoffs, whether you're talking about a Boychuk, a Broussard, yeah. and whomever else, Nick Letty, whatever. And, you know, they just, they just were like, okay, we gave up the goal, no problem. Kept it clamped down. Nobody got rattled. Nobody got nervous. Maybe maybe some fans did. <laughs> and you get those Which typical comes with the territory. Sure, and you get those typical you know post early goal third period yeah. playoff game jitters. I get it, you know. But that being said, the Islanders were stone cold. They just took care of business. They got the win, and that's what makes me excited about the rest of this series because they've they've had a lead tested in the early going here in game one, and they and they passed it. Uh, Varlamov solid when he had to be. Just extremely encouraging here as we as we enter this this back to back coming up. Certainly, and this is this is going to be interesting to see if they can replicate that in the second game. Um, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see how Florida responds. How how do the Panthers figure this out? Because outside of maybe adjusting their their top line or moving Kuberdo or you know anyone else off that, yeah, you line. split up Huberdo and Barkov maybe because like, they, they went with them. But they did together. that. They did that during the preseason game, and yeah. look how well that worked for them. I mean, they got blown out by the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, right. I, I mean, at this point, the Panthers really are kind of put themselves in a in a they're put short their backs series, buddy. Short yeah. series. So I mean, all of a sudden, you're two games away from elimination. Yeah, it's I mean, wild. Tuesday, Wednesday's huge. Yeah, huge. And yeah. It, and you have this whole bubble scenario. You have a noon game. You know, everybody's going to be at work. I'm going to be at work. That's going to be a struggle <laughs> for me. <laughs> so I'll admit it. But it's 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 crazy. I'm look. I'm just glad that like it's all real now. It's all back. Yeah. We got the real games coming back yesterday. I mean, hats off. I can't say enough about what the NHL has done to make yeah, this happen. Give them credit. So listen, for sure. we give a lot of people give any the NHL a lot of of uh, of crap. Guff. Yeah, I, I, I found crap. <laughs> they they give them a lot of crap for the way they handle a lot of different things. The NHL has done an extremely full marks great job yeah. they've done a tremendous job with this yeah. maybe maybe getman getman Bettman will get a little bit of applause when he when he comes out in the ice to hand the cup. Probably not. Probably because it's pumped in. <laughs> but with, maybe not. Uh, right. it's, it's fake he, crowd noise right. anyway. Yeah, he's gonna get some fake crowd noise. <laughs> he was right. on. I think he was on TV the other day. That says maybe we should pump in some booze for when they hand out the cup this year. That's funny. Is, yeah, I mean, you know what? He's, he's a good sport, man. He's got a sense of humor. Yeah, man. he I does. Respect that. All right, well, Christian, we got to bring Tony in. So, folks, once again, I want to thank you all for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York, presented by the Oyster Bay Brewing Company. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back with Tony Stabile. When it comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. Orange and blue are your team colors. Visit yesmenoutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting yesmenoutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HNINY for 15% off your order. 
Yes Men Outfitters. Stick to the system. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program, Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. And when you hear this song, it's time for our brand new segment, How Does It Feel to be Tony Stabile and coming on live with us right now, the man, the myth, the legend, the former co-host of Hockey Night in New York, Tony Stabile. How does it feel to be Tony Stabile? I got I got my own theme song now. This is That's great, right, guys. buddy. Thanks so much. That's right. This is wonderful. That's right. Uh, I feel I feel so special. What's going on, guys? How you doing? We tried to find something that sounded a little like Nickelback, so we we went through the bargain <laughs> bin. We went through the the dredges of the internet to find the worst song we could come up with, so that could it could match how terrible Nickelback wow. is. Wow! 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 That's that's really nice of you, Chris. Thanks so much. And uh, Tony, it's so good to hear your voice. What a warm welcome from Christian, huh? Really, and it's that's it's really great. I I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, uh, I I I was actually I was very surprised to hear you're still doing the nine o'clock time slot with uh, uh, there it is ten thirty. So nice. (laughs) Well, Tony, it's it's great to have you back on the show, pal. You got your theme music going. The Isles play game, uh, take game one. You got the back to back games coming up. Tuesday, Wednesday. We asked you how it feels. You're doing all right. But how did you like the performance yesterday? I was just singing the Isles praises about it. What did you like about the game yesterday and how that makes you feel about going into games two and three this week? Well, I mean, honestly, guys, I think both the games that we've seen so far that they played, you've seen a team that looks just like the team that we saw early on in the season. You know, they're playing very much within their system. They're not getting too high, too low. Uh, it's typical Barry Trotz hockey, and I think that that's exactly what this team needs to do. Uh, they're dangerous, if you ask me. I mean, you know, they're a team that plays really well uh, under Coach Trotz, and they have a tremendous amount of depth, and, you know, they, they can weather the storm of, of, of this series because, you know, I, I think they match really well with Florida. Um, you know, Florida's got some some heavy hitters in this lineup. You know, Jonathan Huberto is, is no joke. Uh, Alexander Barkov, one of the top young players in the NHL. Um, Mike Coffin, that enough. They have a they have a plenty of talent up front, and I felt like this team really did a good job of keeping them in check. Especially Barkov. I mean, you know, they, they, he's so dangerous. And uh, you know, if they keep playing like this, I mean, you know, you, you know, they they have the opportunity just as everybody else. I mean, seen some up that upset so far. And, you know, any team can do anything at this point. And I feel like, you know, they have the, the, you know, the coaching, they have the system, they have the players in place. And, you know, I, I really feel strongly that, uh, that this team could, could definitely do some damage. Tony, it's really good to hear your voice and, and finally good to, to chat with you. It's been too long. He's buddy. making nice now. No, I'm not. I would have said that regardless of what I said at the top of the show. I stand by it. Nickelback's terrible. No secret there. Tony, but we're talking about a lot about uh, JG Pajot uh, and what he really brought to the Islanders and how much it was on display in Game One. I know, thinking back to after they acquired him, the Islanders didn't win the first seven games or something like that with him on the roster. And I'm, I think there were a lot of Islander fans, or some Islander fans, I shouldn't say a lot. There were some Islander fans who were starting to question whether it was worth. Uh, going out and spending as much to bring this guy to Long Island. I think that, is it fair to say that he's certainly proved his worth through the first uh, game or so here? 
Well, I, we've seen uh, in years past that Pajot has been a, a performer in the playoffs. I think yesterday was his 13th uh, playoff goal. He's he's the kind of player that winning teams have on their roster. You know, he, he does all the little things. He can play at both ends of the ice. He plays, you know, he plays an important position uh, down the middle. He wins faceoffs. He plays physical. He plays with an edge to his game. And if you listen to his comments, he, he he's absolutely thrilled about being here. He loves what he's seen from this organization. Uh, I can't really go by the seven games. I mean, that was a different team at a different time. And, and he had see, no camp. What's that? I said and he had no camp either. You know, I think we're seeing exactly. the, the benefits I mean, of that now. Absolutely. I mean, you see a guy, you drop him, a guy who plays his entire career one place, and then at the trade deadline, he, he, he's traded, he signs this long-term contract, he comes to a team that's struggling, uh, especially with injuries. I mean, you look at all the guys who were out. I mean, Clutterbuck was a shell of himself before, uh, before the, the COVID pause. You had Sezikis out of the lineup. You had Pelican out of the lineup. So you had a lot of injuries at the time. He came in. The team was scuffling. He didn't play poorly. I don't feel like he played. I mean, maybe that one game, that game where he was like a minus five or something. But I think the whole team was terrible that night. But honestly, I, I absolutely I love this guy. I love what he brings. I love his attitude. Uh, he can put the puck in the net. He wins faceoffs. He's he's going to be a very important piece, a piece of this team. And I love the fact that he signed long term. I mean, you know, he's he's a guy winning teams. And you can go back and and, and look at teams that had. You know, uh, look at a team like Detroit, you know, when they were winning Stanley Cups, they had guys like Darren Helm. This is the kind of guy like that. He's a, he is a winning type of player. He comes up big in clutch spots. He's He is a – I think he's going to be a very big piece, and he's going to be a fan favorite around here for a while. I think you're right, Tony. And there was another name that you brought up, Adam Pellick. Here's a guy who we learned – was was a huge loss when he was injured earlier in the season. I mean, that's when we saw the Islanders start to not I don't want to say tank, but you know, not win as many games as they were. They they started to perform pretty poorly once he was out of the lineup. We and we we learned just how valuable he is, what he means to that defense, how rock solid he is, how how good he looks uh, paired uh, paired up with Pollock. He comes back yesterday and it's almost like he doesn't miss a beat. Maybe just you know, give us what you saw out of him yesterday and how he looked, you know, coming back after that real long layoff for him. You know, when you have an Achilles injury, I think that you start to wonder, you know, how, how when a guy comes back and he starts skating again and when he first initially gets on the ice, is he going to have, is he going to have issues? Is he going to, is he going to worry about, you know, re-injuring it? Is he going to, you know, be a little, you know, a little gun shy on it a little bit? And the two games I've seen from Adam Pellop so far, it's as if the guy just, you know, went on the pause with everybody else and just came back and was his normal self again. He's, he's smothering out there. He's, he's positionally, he's so sound. And when you're not, when you're not noticing him is, is, is his greatest strength because he's actually doing his job. He, 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 he's such an important piece on that back end because he stabilizes everything. He plays important minutes. He plays up against the, you know, the opposition's top line and he does it so, so well. I mean, he was on the ice for the goal yesterday. Um, uh, yesterday was a minus one, but I mean, honestly, you're going to get 22, 23 minutes a night from him. And I think as time goes on, you're probably going to see him out there more and more. He's such an important part of this team. And you definitely saw it after January 2nd when he went down with the Achilles injury. But I, I, he looks. He, he does. You, you would never know that he was out with that type of injury, and the way he's, the way he's played the last two games. Talking with Tony Stabile, Nickelback's only fan at this point, probably <laughs> left on the earth. Oh um, boy, you are so so wrong, my friend. Go ahead. All right, I'm sorry. You're right. There are a lot of other people with bad bad tastes in music. I mean, 
Our first guest <laughs> on the rebooted show was Brian Compton. You loves, know, I was almost not going to go there. He loves Kiss, which ahead. is, I mean, I mean, that's got to be like, I would say that's got to be the rock version of Nickelback, but I don't know Ooh, wow. which is worse. The rock for, wow, I don't, I don't bro. Even, you, really? You're laying it on sick tonight. Yeah, he's like pouring that. it on, man. No problem. That's good. Hey, look, no problem. Listen, listen I, wear, I wear my fandom on my sleeve, brother. It's no problem whatsoever. Uh, you know what, no Tony? I, I will give you that for all the crap you've taken over the years being a fan of that band you have been a, mm-hmm. a very good sport I, i'll give you that it doesn't make sense to me i don't get it but good for you and, man and, and we have had many philosophical conversations about this Shawnee, and, <laughs> it's true. You know, i mean it is it is what it is we have had we have spent more time than you think that you thought that you would ever in your life I know. spend talking about nickelback it's upsetting you know what it's it, it, you know and now and now you're free of that on a weekly basis but you know it, it, it is what it is i it, <laughs> I, I, I wear my fandom on. Hey, you know we what, though? I, I, Tony at, so much. <laughs> no, he's doing a good job. He's defending is, himself. And, is, and you know what? And, and the funny thing is, is that if you look at my sports teams between the Islanders, the Jets, and the Mets, Nickelback is like number seven on my list of bad choices that I made in my life. Apparently, because <laughs> That's very I, I, I introspective, had, I, I get, Tony. I get, I get, I, seriously, if you look at the, if you look at the sports teams that I like, you know, and, and all of the crap that I've gone through with these three teams, I should have been hanging in my garage years ago. I mean, it's, I mean, it's oh really, my God. It, so, I mean, in all seriousness, so, I mean, yeah, well, it's, it's the truth too. And if you're a fan of any of those three teams, oh you're, you're, you're just replaying all the stuff in your head. So it's, it's the truth. I don't know. Nickelback is probably the worst decision you've ever made. But you look at the Islanders and what's to come in games two and three. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about, Arthur, is the bat with Arthur is the back to backs, uh, and I think that really creates a, a kind of an interesting situation with how to put your lineup together and also which goaltender do you go go with at this point. Um, and I think, speaking of philosophical differences, I think Sean and I have a general philosophical difference on how you split goaltending time if. You get a win in game two. I say you, say you stick with the hot hand, Tony. What what do you think about that? Uh, I don't. I don't look. I'm not looking too much into the back back thing. I mean, these guys should be aged. They should be fresh because they really haven't been doing much other than you know exercising in their That's living true. room, apparently yeah. according to Instagram. So right. I don't think the back to back thing should be too much of a problem. Um, and plus, the Islanders play really well in back to back. So that's to me, that's not really an issue there at all. I mean, I you know, I don't. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if I remember correctly, they're pretty good in back-to-back series uh, since Barry's taken over. And as for the goaltending, I, I think that if Parlamo plays the way he played the last two games, I don't think take him out of the net for the rest of the way. Really? So even if he gets that win on, on Tuesday, you're putting him in mm-hmm. again on Wednesday? No question. And I, what if he loses on Tuesday? Do you do you consider going with Grice in the, on the second of back-to-backs then? Well, I mean, if he gives up seven goals on eleven shots, then okay. yeah, I'm thinking maybe I'm thinking about Thomas. Just Price, a just I mean, a regular yeah, again, loss. <laughs> yeah, if it's a, I mean, if they Standard lose three loss. to two, and you know, if he, they lose three to two, and you know, gave up you know three goals, two of which he had no control over, then you know, yeah, I know, I stick with him. I mean, look, they brought Varlamov here to you know to to do these to have this this time before Sorokin takes over, and uh, you know, to help with his adjusting. And I, look, I, I think that we've been more more or less pleasantly surprised with what we've seen from Semyon Verlamov this year. Uh, I don't think that that stretch of a play towards the, uh, you know, the end of the season, you know, the, the, by, by the pause is really his fault. 
Um, I thought he was really good this year. I mean, he was, he was carrying what a nine twenty seven or a nine twenty eight save percentage for most of the season. So uh, I've been very happy with Volamov, and you know, I, I at this point I think that I would just keep him in the net until there's a reason to take him out. And you know, he hasn't shown me anything that would that would make me even think about it at this point. Fair enough, Tony. Fair enough. And now this is the season of predictions. Now you already have a one game head start. I'm sure you had a prediction before this series started, but. How do you see the rest of this one going? You know, we, you talk about how solid the Islanders played yesterday. You, you feel confident in their back-to-back uh, acumen coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday. How do you see the rest of this one going? Uh, I, I think that I think that they have um, I think they have the upper hand in Florida here. Yeah, they played against they played well against them all season. Um, the fact that they're fully healthy is definitely a, a step for them. Uh, you know, a, a step in the right direction for them. Um, you know, when you go and you, and I look at, I try to look at each individual thing. You look at forwards, you look at defensemen, you look at special teams, you look at goaltending, so on and so forth. And I mean, Bobrovsky has had a really, really rough time this year. Um, Florida's defense though, they are young and promising are definitely not on the scale. I mean, the Islanders have, you know, if you, if you look at them and they have eight starting defensemen, six spots. So, you know, the fact that if Petrani Boychuk can't play tomorrow, they can try, they can step Andy Green in there, who is a, who was a captain earlier this season is a Stanley cup, you know, Stanley cup winner. Uh, you know, like uh, in my opinion, you, you know, the, the Islanders defense and their goaltending is definitely uh, a step up on Florida. And those are the things that you, uh, in the playoffs that, that win you, um, that win you series and, you know, and eventually will win you a cup. So, um, I, I definitely think that they take the series. I don't think they, I don't think they sweep it in three. I say those at least four, maybe five games, but okay. I, I, I would say that they're definitely, uh, they, they would definitely be my choice to, to, to walk out of the series. And Tony, you keep stealing questions away from me, <laughs> but I guess I'll just follow up. You mentioned boy, Chuck and green. We talked it's, to Arthur about it a little bit. It's just because it's because we have such a connection, Sean. That's, that's <laughs> Eventually what will happen is I'll have it with Christian and Alex will dissipate, but hey, listen, wow. it, it happens. You know, so it, it keeps with the it keeps up with this Nickelback stuff, though. I don't know, bro. I, I'm, oh man, I'm gonna be hesitant. I'm just, be hesitant I'm just glad. I'm just glad we we laid them to rest on the show. You know, uh, with your farewell show, we we got all the Nickelback out of the way on on that episode, and then we lay it to rest. But so, last question. Just you kind of already answered it, but if Boy Chuck can't go, you're, you're going with Green. It seems like that's the consensus here. Andy Green's going to be the guy. I think so, only because that's the kind of Andy Green plays a closer game to what Boychuk does. So you know he's a more stay-at-home kind of a guy. I want to see Noah Dobson in there. I really do. I understand the numbers crunch here, and I guess you know when I come on, you know later on after the season is over and we start talking about you know what's going to look the roster's going to look like next year, whatever next year will be. But you know Noah Dobson has shown me you know towards the end of the season before the the pause and then seeing what he's done in camp and the, and, and it's in, uh, and the game against the Rangers, I, I'm very interested to see him in the lineup night in and night out. You know, he's such a gifted offensive player. Uh, he seems much more relaxed in his own zone. He, he I, I thought him and green were, were the best defensive tandem the other night. I mean, really uh, against the Rangers, he, they really, really played well. And, uh, you know, so, but I, I, when it, when it looked, when you, if, if Letty was out of the lineup, I would say he would probably, 
maybe want to give Dobson a look because he plays mm-hmm. more of a style that Letty would play. You okay. know, a little bit plays with a little more offense. Sure. But because it's Boychuk that we're talking about, I think Andy Green would be the be the logical choice to step in that role. I think that's a good point, Tony. But unfortunately, Tony, that's all the time we have for how does it feel to be Tony Stabile. So I want to thank you for joining us, pal. I want to thank you for what, coming there's no, back. There's no lightning round? What, there's no lightning round? I mean, what, I, I was expecting like fire and Buddy, we, buddy, we just we got to build it up, man. This is this is episode one. All right, oh, <laughs> we'll see where I it understand. goes from here. Just right, good, but buddy, uh, absolute pleasure having you back on the show. Glad you're doing well. Glad to have you back, and uh, looking forward to doing this again soon. All right, pal. Yeah, man. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Appreciate it. You doing, guys are doing great. Uh, all the best, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Thanks, brother. Tony. Take care. All right, folks, that was Mr. Tony Stabile, former co-host of Hockey Night in New York and renowned Nickelback fan. And if you guys haven't gotten it already, we, we like to bust his chops about that. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, hopefully. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully it wasn't too much to overkill. But great spot from Tony, and we move on here. Let's, let's, let's wrap some talk up about the Islanders. We've got the, the first edition of Hero of the Week with Hockey Night New York 2.0, now that the, the real games have started. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. But to round out to talk about the team, we, we, we more or less covered the forwards. Like the, we didn't really touch on the fourth line. They did their job. We saw Sezikis back in there. They were banging bodies. They were, they were keeping the Panthers in their own zone. They were frustrating them. So good stuff from them. We discussed the middle six already. And we hinted a little bit about the first line before. You talked about Barzell's prowess in the faceoff circle. But... Didn't really see much else from them. I mean, look, they're the first line. <laughs> Everly did not get off to the start <laughs> tonight <laughs> no. that he did against the Penguins last year. Hopefully his playoff prowess will, will come a little bit later on. But, you know, you say they didn't really need them yesterday, but if this team wants to advance much further than this qualifying round and, and, and maybe even the first round, that's that line obviously has to step up and get on the score sheet. Without a doubt. It's it's one of the X factors for the Islanders, right? They're a team that doesn't score a whole lot of goals, as case in point on Saturday in Game 1. You're going to need that down the line. You're going to need that. You, maybe you don't need that now against the Florida Panthers, but when they reseed, you could very well f- see a, a very offensively talented team in Boston or Tampa or, or anyone, because we really don't know how these uh, reseeded playoff scenarios work if the Islanders get out of the first round, or if anyone gets out of the first round, I should say. Uh, not assuming right. the Islanders will or won't get out of the first round there, but it certainly bodes well for them to have those that top line going because when that top line go, is, gets going, that's a huge benefit for the rest of the lineup, and it takes some of the pressure off the rest of the lineup to to go out there and have to score goals, basically. The Islanders have, can, can have secondary scoring. They don't have a lot of it, right. but they can have secondary scoring. That's usually where you would put a, uh, a Anthony Beauvillier or a Brock Nelson or a Josh Bailey, really, as your secondary scoring. Um, but right now that seems to be their, their primary, primary scoring is, is that, is that line you get Pajot, he puts in a goal too. Um, they're having, having a great start to the playoffs. So the Islanders need that top line to get going though. That really takes a lot of the pressure off and, and frees up everyone to kind of do what they have to do. Right, right. But, but you're right also in making the point about the supportive lines, right? I mean, this is how it goes. You know, you talk about it during the regular season, but especially in the playoffs. Unfortunately, you're not going to get every guy going every night. But the good thing is we, we've talked a lot about the depth that this team has, yes. not only forward, you know, defense-wise, but forward-wise as well. We, we recognize the fact that not so much, you know, as, as far as goal scorers go, not so much as flair, but you got guys that can play both sides of the puck that can chip in the odd goal. I mean, let's not forget, when Pajot came over here, he ended up being tied 
with the team lead in goals yeah. before the season is over. He pots That's two right. before the season gets shut down, and he's already a goal-scoring lead. I think it was 26 that he had. Not a lot. But it goes to the point of the Islanders need to ha- have their first, their primary scoring going because that's, I mean, and even then, like, they're not putting up that many goals where you have right. to bring in a guy who's not in your primary goal scoring, uh, in, in the primary goal scoring unit, and he's already tied for the team lead. Right, and you face <laughs> you face off against a team with maybe a little more defensive prowess than the Florida Panthers if you move on. And that that's when maybe you see the 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 middle six, bottom nine guys struggling a little more yeah. to put goals in. So that's yeah. when you have even more emphasis on your first line guys. So look, I'm not trying to come down on these guys. Look, I give them a pass. Other guys stepped up. They they got the two goals they needed to get the win. But looking long term here, we need a little more out of Andrews Lee, Matt Barzell, and Jordan Everly. Oh, I, I, there's no doubt about that. That is going to be a crucial point going forward too, especially, again, like you said, if they go to the next round or they continue on in the playoffs, they're going to need that the deeper they go. They're going to need those guys to come up and step up in the situations where they're supposed to shine. Without a doubt. So with that being said, Christian, I'm going to start up a new segment of Hockey Night in New York 2.0. When you hear this song... Now that, uh, you know, we made a little change here. Uh, not that we ever used copyrighted music on the show before, <laughs> but we certainly aren't going to going forward. So when you hear this song, folks, that means it is time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Oyster Bay Brewing Company's Beer of the Week. This week's Beer of the Week, this is an easy one, folks. It's Islander time. It's playoff time. The Barn Rocker Session Ale, created by Islander fans with the Islanders in mind. And not only that, folks... But it's a great tasting beer. It comes in a beautiful can with the Islander logo right on it. Great stuff. So, folks, hit up Oyster Bay Brewing Company and get yourself some Barn Rocker. It's delicious. It's an Islander beer. There's nothing better than that. So, Christian, with that being said, Hero of the Week, I'm putting you on the spot. You get to do the honors and go first here for our first edition of this. So give it to me, pal. Who is your Hero of the week. I think it's an easy choice. You look at the game that Anthony Beauvillier had, not only in game one against the Florida Panthers, but in the preseason game against the New York Rangers. He has been lights out. Um, he's been one of the most consistent players in the postseason for the Islanders right now. If tied for the team lead in shots on goal in the game one victory over the Panthers, he obviously had the game winning goal on the power play for the New York Islanders. In 1550 of time on ice, he was fantastic for them. That line as a whole, between Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey, has been really going as of late. Yeah. Um, it was something we saw a little bit in training camp. It was something we saw a lot of during the exhibition game. Those guys were lights out in that game, creating opportunities. And realistically, when you look back at how the Islanders played in Game 1, that line could have had a, quite a few goals, uh, not just the Anthony Bovillia power play goal. There were a couple opportunities that he had throughout the afternoon that could have went into the back of the net. Obviously, the Bob, Sergei Bobrovsky, played <laughs> the very Bob. well and uh, kept them off the score off the uh, board more than just for the one goal. But Anthony Bovillia is rightfully so my uh, hero of the week. Christian, it's it's a decent pick, and it's you know a it's a pick. decent pick. Okay, and sure. this is usually how I treated Tony when we did the hero of the week. But I'm going to go with another guy on another line. I already said a lot of big things about him earlier in the show. And I got to go with the new guy, J.G. Pajot. You know, steps up. We finally get to see what he looks like in a post-game, uh, post-season setting. And he did not disappoint. Gets the first goal. Gets the Islanders on the, on the board. And let's face it, folks. All important first goal. You know, you talk about Islander games and just how tight they are in general. 
you don't want to be playing behind. And the Islanders got to get into their comfort zone. They get the lead, and they get to just shut the Panthers down. And that line was really going again. We talked about how Broussard kind of had a little resurgence with him yesterday. And you have Kunakle doing the dirty work down in the corners there. And it looks good. You know, is, is Kunakle going to be the answer long-term on that line? We'll see. But great, great start with Pajot. Uh, ace in the face-off circle. Pots that goal. He looked pumped. He's happy to be here. Tony mentioned the quote that he had after the game, so yep. he's thrilled. So your first hero of the week for Hockey Night New York 2.0 for me is going to be J.G. Pajot, the best pick of the night. Sure. No, no I, don't know. I, don't, I don't think there's a bad pick in the bunch. No, I mean, both of these guys not. had tremendous games against the, against the Panthers in game one, so there's, there's no wrong choice here. I just think my choice is more right. That's, that's fine, and, and we can continue to have that disagreement. It's going to pick off where Tony and I left off. That's fine. That's our stick here on Hockey One of our sticks here on Hockey Night in New York, so we just passed the baton to you. But, Christian, before we wrap up, uh, you have some big news to share with the audience here. Why don't you talk a little about the, uh, the new gig you got? Yeah, so it was a big week. Obviously, we, we actually knew about this going into we did. Sun, last Sunday's show when we had George Richards on, who yes. is now, I can say, a colleague at the that's Hockey right. Now uh, but we had to keep sight. it a secret. We had to keep it a secret. <laughs> we couldn't we didn't talk about it. Until Monday, we launched hockey. Uh, new, NYI Hockey Now. You got that? <laughs> NYIHockeyNow.com. It's a what we're describing as a freemium site where there's okay. a mix of free content and a mix of more uh, premium content with a small subscription fee for just three forty nine for the month there or twenty nine ninety nine for the year. You That's can access all that. Plus, we have Rob Simpson, who some of you may remember uh, from his time at NHL Network Radio uh, and some other places as well. He's there in Toronto go. contributing for all the hockey now sites that are in the Toronto bubble. So he's been contributing stories to George's site over at Florida Hockey Now, which I definitely recommend you checking out as well. Uh, New York NYI Hockey Now as well, where... He's had some good stuff, including actually a story on how the Islanders clamped down on Sasha Barkov, basically going through his entire there you go um, his entire time on the ice through the uh, game one, and it was a fascinating look at just how well the Islanders shut down the Florida Panthers through the lens of one particular uh, player in this place. It's Alexander Barkov. So really fascinating read. I definitely recommend helping uh, support. This new endeavor, yeah. like I said, nyihockeynow.com. You can see the uh, subscription tab up at the top of the website. Uh, give, it a, give it a shot. Give us a shot. Absolutely. Uh, I think you really like the content. And obviously, some big news this week, too, between the partnership with uh, Oyster Bay Brewing Company. Yes, yes. Us making a... So excited. Uh, us completing the uh, Blue Line Deli Great Sandwich Challenge, which we yes. did with... Uh, with a lot of fanfare, I guess you can say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had some fair fanfare, that's fair to say. And we can now officially announce that we have a sandwich at Blue Line Deli and Bagel in Huntington. That's right. And it's the uh, delicious sandwich. Sean went out. He was there on Saturday, actually, right? Correct? I was Friday there. Friday night. You were there on Friday. Yes. And you checked it out. You had a bit of the uh, I got the sample. I got a sneak preview. Of the Hockey Night in New York that will now be on the Blue Line Deli and Bagels menu. Big thanks to Donnie yep. and the great crew over there. They are aces. They are great people. So friendly. I got to spend some time with Donnie that day just to, you know, BS and get to know him. And, and just a great guy. Uh, aces, aces, aces. So so happy to be, uh, you know, partnering up with those guys. Yeah. But, yeah, I got to go down there, and they were gracious enough to, to put together a little Hockey Night yep. in New York. So we'll give, we'll give the ingredients here if you didn't see the video yet. Yes, go check out the video. It's across all our social platforms on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can watch it 
uh, anywhere, basically. Take it, take six minutes out of your day. Watch the video. It's 100% <laughs> worth it. You'll see Shawnee crush, crush his sandwich and a half. It's true. And you'll it's see true. me, who I talked a big game when we had Don, when you we had did, Don on from Blue Line. Kind of embarrassing for you what, how everything unfolded. I don't know. Well, it was a, it was a rough week between, <laughs> between that and then between flubbing my question to Barry Trotz on the postgame after the exhibition win over the New York Rangers, yeah. which was also embarrassing. Yeah, like, rough week for you. A ton of feedback back from a lot of people about that <laughs> um but I, I go check it out like i said on our on our social media channels twitter facebook instagram it's all there it was it's worth the time to watch both uh, sean and i crush two uh sandwich well, one of us crushed crushed the sandwich oh at the very least watch yeah. me embarrass myself for <laughs> christian uh, six minutes christian struggled i mean we literally had the epic battle music going on this video <laughs> just to add to the drama i mean look you might get a little chuckle out of it that's kind of what we're going for here yeah but, you know, if I do say so myself, pretty much got through my half of the deal with flying colors. Not, not much struggle. I mean, look, the stomach filled up a little bit, had a little boulder <laughs> going on in my stomach afterwards for a little while. But the sandwiches were delicious. I had the Jimmy B, and uh, that's got some roast beef, some gravy, delicious, just fantastic. And they, they load these sandwiches up. That made the challenge even more challenging, to be honest with you. But, yeah, we put them down. I mean, you know, maybe like 45 minutes later, Christian was able to, <laughs> to get his end of the unfortunately, deal Unfortunately, that's not much of an exaggeration. <laughs> but a big week for us here at Hockey Night in New York. Big week yeah. for me. Definitely would recommend and appreciate anyone to support uh, nyihockeynow.com. Uh, we got a lot of big things, especially once we get back to some normalcy here. You know, we're going to try and be on the road a little bit next season. We're there we go. Bring in a correspondent in Bridgeport to All cover right. the Sound Tigers. So it. definitely be worth the subscription price. It's a small nominal fee. It's a small, it's, you know, for the year, it's basically a, a, a one night going out to a, a restaurant for dinner. There you go, I think man. You, I think it's very affordable. And as difficult as it is for me to admit this on the air, I already have my subscription. Christian, I am on board. We'll, we'll see I if I actually that. read your content. <laughs> <laughs> but I do encourage everybody to do the same. Christian's been covering this team for for my God, ten years now. Yeah, a decade back when he was, you know, just a little boy. You know, <laughs> as compared <laughs> now to now, I'm a, a, big, he's boy. a big boy. That's right. But yeah, and and I got to know Christian over the years. You know, just back, geez, back when I used to have press box access, uh, way back in the in the Stone Age. But you know, he does a phenomenal job. His content is great. And uh, look, I'm just happy to have him on board here at Hockey Night in New York. So definitely check out nyhockeynow.com. Uh, it's great stuff. You won't be disappointed. And uh, definitely support the cause. And Christian, with that, anything else we got before we wrap things up here? Are we good to go? No, I think we have an exciting week of games ahead with games two and three on uh, Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday afternoon, I should say, and Wednesday afternoon. And we'll know by the next next show are we uh, where the Islanders will be, whether they'll be uh, packing their bags or they'll be uh, getting ready for this first round <laughs> wow. of the playoffs. Well, folks, with that, want to send a big thanks out to Arthur Staple of The Athletic and Tony Stabile, renowned Nickelback fan, for joining us on the show tonight. Huge thanks to our brand new sponsor, the Oyster Bay Brewing Company, the creator of the Barn Rocker Session Ale and official partner of the New York Islanders. Remember, you can stop on over at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay for great libations and great times. And remember, Christian... You can order their great beers, brewery and barn rocking, barn rocker merchandise at oysterbaybrewing.com. Get yourself over there. Remember, use pro co- promo code HNINY for a 15% discount off of your order. And a huge thanks to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels for being a sponsor on the show as well. You can check them out at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington for great food. 
great service and great Islander fans. Check out their menu at bluelinedeli.com and stop in for the brand new Hockey Night in New York. I didn't get the ingredients before. It's a wrap. <laughs> it's grilled chicken. It's buffalo sauce. It's avocado. It's heated up. The me- mozzarella cheese melts right onto it. It is delicious. Check it out. Folks, we appreciate you tuning in. A lot more fun coming on this show at Hockey Night in New York. Remember, if you enjoy it, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Tell your friends. You can follow Christian at C underscore Arnold 01. You can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey on Twitter. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Hockey Night NY. Thank you so much for tuning in. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We will see you next week.